0: So we have founded the company um, um, end of last year, end of 2021. So the company is four months old, five months old. So we got the first investment in December
1: uh, four months ago. So you're pre-revenue today then? Yes. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to getlatka.com. Hey folks, my guest today is Dirk Sakil. He's the CEO of a very cool company called Quantagonia. They provide they provide a quantum and hybrid computing SaaS platform for enterprises. Dirk, you ready to take us to the top? Yes. <laughs> All right. So, what does that mean? Quantum computing platform for SaaS uh, for for enterprises.
0: Yeah. So, as you said, so we're providing a SaaS platform, and for us, SaaS stands <laughs> not just software as a service; it's more about solution as a service because our platform helps companies make better decisions in less time. And these could be uh, these decision problems exist in the current HPC, the high performance computing space. So we're talking mainly about uh, problems in the optimization simulation and AI space.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. And so I guess, give me an example. Can you tell me specifically how a customer is using you? Do you have any case studies you can share?
0: Yeah, so for example, the big optimization problems in the world exist in almost every industry. Like, for example, if you need to schedule airplanes, yeah, these problems are so big that it's impossible to schedule them hand and it's even impossible if you take the largest computer on the market to just put it on the computer and think this computer could, could uh, take all possible solutions and find the best solution. Yeah. And uh, so quantum computing, so the promise of quantum computing is that these problems could be solved in the future when these quantum computers will be available. So industry availability of these computers will take at least three years, we estimate three to five years. And then putting these problems on a quantum computer uh, will help to speed up really to solve these problems in less time. And you can even yeah, solve bigger problems. Of that, yeah.
1: So, Dirk, how do you do that? I mean, do you guys own a bunch of quantum computers? You rent out space or you're using other pieces, hardware and people's hardware and processing power?
0: Yeah. So far, we have access to quantum computers, but all these quantum computers are more in research state because there are currently no real industry... Um, usable quantum computers out there, but we are currently, so that's our hybrid uh, classical uh, compute um, 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 uh, way we are going, because currently we are able to use these um, problems and put them on classical hardware. And this classical hardware could be CPUs or GPUs, FPGAs, so that these companies already get a speed up. And later on, when quantum computers are available, we can internally move these programs on a quantum computer and basically the, the customer will not see anything, but he will get, get an immense speed up out of that.
1: So just to be clear, are you using sort of a crowdsource approach? Someone can say, I'm not using my laptop right now, give it to, to uh, Quantagonia and let them use the processing power in sort of a mesh network sort of format so that a pilot or, an, or Delta can use them to schedule airplane tra- tracking?
0: Yeah, no, no, it's not a crowd um, um, thing. It will be so we connect to um, computing centers in the back end, like we could rely on services like Amazon web services and so on, on compute centers, uh, providing these CPUs or GPU stuff and in the future quantum computers as well.
1: Okay, got it. So you're not you're not necessarily uh, like owning quantum compute right now you're your secret sauce is writing and taking complex things like tracking airplanes and enabling that Problem to be solved with you know AWS right now, but in the future, easily switch your customers to quantum computers.
0: Exactly. Yeah, we are we are a software provider, uh, software guys, and we help companies to make these better decisions through software. So the thing is because you cannot really, you cannot just port existing software to a quantum computer in the future because it's a totally different architecture. Um, it's a little bit like the new M1 chip uh, with Apple, so they have invented this Rosetta platform the virtual machine so that you could put in x86 code and run it on m1 chip which is a totally different architecture and we will do basically the same for um, quantum computing so put your x86 code in and you can run it on the quantum computer
1: in the future I see Instead okay so these customers the so these customers today what are they paying you on average per year to use your technology
0: So we have founded the company um, um end of last year end of 2021 so the company's four months old, five months old. So we got the first investment in December, uh, four months ago. Yeah? And so we are in, in development. So you're, pre, stage, so you're
1: yeah. pre-revenue today then?
0: Yeah, So we yeah, are oh. um, exactly. So, But we have signed up with uh, 10, 11 customers on, on an L O I basis. So we're calculating the first real problems with them. So we could already proven that we have a speed up uh, in solving their problems. And um, yeah, we are not yet Good. charging...
1: So Dirk, let's go back to those 11 customers here in a second. But first, uh, obviously, you have to pay yourselves while you guys are building this if you're not making revenue. So you guys have raised capital. How much did you raise in December?
0: We, we cannot disclose that uh, because it's under NDA, but um, it's enough for this year to grow up to 20 people.
1: Well, sorry, why can't, don't, don't, I mean, most governments yes, require when you raise, your, most yeah. most governments require when you raise your investors that you file government forms to, to basically say that. And on your Crunchbase profile, it says last funding type pre-seed why can't you disclose the amount
0: it's under investors didn't want to disclose it yeah
1: but but why is that it's your company why would the investor why would you give investors control over that
0: i I don't know (laughs) need to check with them sorry for that
1: well you work directly with them you didn't ask them hey guys why is it important for you not to like to keep this private
0: not yet sorry
1: well well, i guess that's the reason i'm asking is because your ability to retain talent people aren't going to join you unless they know you have runway. And so putting a press release out that says we raised X, right? Gets people confidence. It also enables you to bring on customers faster. This had to have been a conversation during the raise. I don't believe this never came up. So I'm just trying to understand strategically why you were okay with it.
0: Yeah. I need to check with him. So
1: we are not disclosing it. So that's, that's our point. Yeah. So. Dirk, you're missing my question. I'm not asking you to disclose how much you raised. What I'm asking is strategically, why did you decide not to disclose it? It doesn't help you get talent and it doesn't help you communicate to the market that you're going to be around for a long time to get big enterprise accounts on day one.
0: Yeah, uh, it's a strategic decision which has been made. and that's, uh, We are not disclosing that decision. Yeah, Sorry for that answer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're not answering my Could question. Off record, but I've asked, yeah. but I've, asked, I've asked. I've asked about four times now, so I'm not going to ask it again. Uh, we'll, we'll move on. Um, the I guess. Uh, I guess. Let me then pivot. Right. So, how many folks are full time today on the on the team?
0: We are now with uh, twelve. I need to think about it because we're adding people every
1: week. Yeah, twelve itself. Yeah. Okay, and how many of those folks are engineers? Um, out of the 12, seven are engineers so far. Okay, and how are you able to recruit these engineers? Like, I imagine this requires like top, top tier talent?
0: Yeah, we have a very strong network. For example, two of our founders, Sebastian, he's leading, or he's vice president of the SUSE Institute in Berlin, which is one of the top HBC institutes uh, centers here uh, in Europe. Um, So he has also professorship for optimization and machine learning. So we could attract through his network a lot of people. We have one of our co-founders is Sabina Jeschke. She's also professor, two professorships at TU Berlin and in Aachen. And she is a former uh, board member of the Deutsche Bahn, that's the German railways here in in Germany. It's a top company, belongs to the top 50 companies here. So through that network, we could uh, hire a lot of, hire and attract a lot of people. And um, yeah, myself, I'm in, since 25 years in this business uh, of optimization simulations and uh, machine learning. And yeah, basically mainly through our network, we are able to get the people.
1: So your title is CEO, but just to be clear, I mean, you two are basically co-founders, right?
0: Yes. Exactly. So my career is I'm a computer scientist. I um, started in uh, technical positions, but then I moved pretty fast to sales uh, positions, leading uh, whole sales teams. And then I uh, was the co-founder of a company, GOROBI GmbH in uh, Germany. Uh, I was building up the whole operations uh, here for the German market. They they are the market leader for um, optimization and software based. Uh, That company got sold in 2017 to a private equity firm. Um, and I also founded a company doing sports scheduling, so which is also related to optimization because you, you cannot imagine, but these problems are also really complicated in terms of how many solutions you could find and getting the best schedule out of it. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Like the NFL, they are running several thousand nodes on Amazon for a few months just to get the best NFL schedule in the US. Yeah?
1: Mm-hmm. So, how, so how? So what, there are three, I mean, uh, uh, Dr. Sabina, Dr. Sebastian, you and Philip, there's four co-founders? Yeah, exactly. Four. Okay, got it. And was this, was this a, I mean, based off those backgrounds, there's a lot of connections to sort of institutions, right? Was this a IP spin out developed inside of an institution?
0: It's not a, no, not a totally IP spin off. So we are building our own IP from scratch.
1: Okay, got it. So there, there are there are no institutions that, that you're licensing this IP from? You don't have any license agreements like that?
0: We are strongly connected to Fraunhofer Institute here in Germany, which is a large research organization. And uh, because Fraunhofer Technology Fund, they are uh, one of our investors, so we are strongly connected there and having research connections there. And you could say that in some part, we are a little spin-off of them. Yes. <laughs>
1: So a bit of a surprise for you today. And many of you know this, but some of you don't. There is a cheat code as a software startup to getting your finances right. And that cheat code is called pilot. They do bookkeeping tax and give you financial expertise perfectly customized for every single founder. And it's not just automated. This is critical with accounting because sometimes we need custom stuff done, whether it's a round, or an exit or a sale or just something else. So they put actual experts on your account. And I said, pilot team, please give us a great deal they have. You can check it out at NathanMaca.com forward slash pilot. They've got expertise in startups. You'll get your own personal expert. And specifically, they're giving a great discount to all of you guys that start working with them today. They integrate with the best financial tools in the business like Stripe, Square, Brex, Gusto, Bill.com, Shopify, you name it, they're there. And they give world-class support and advice. This is the kind of stuff that I use to get my monthly PL balance sheet and cash flow statements done. Without hiring a full-time CFO on my team, I can get all this done for a fraction of the cost. Do it yourself at NathanLatka.com forward slash pilot. Start today. Talk to me about uh, the first 11 enterprise customers, right? A lot of people don't, they're not always sure how to land an enterprise customer, especially as a startup. Some people say, you know, send them a a, a POC, then sign them up as a design partner and have them sort of pre-purchase a software license that doesn't exist yet. Help me understand how you're closing this.
0: Yeah, so those those partners, so we, we know them from our business network, and they already have these kind of problems modeled in a way so that they could easily export those problems and ask us if we can make some, some benchmark ones and see if we could also solve their mainly scheduling problems, like for production scheduling, job shop scheduling, for example, one we have in, in energy scheduling, it's like the power plant scheduling. And then it's quite, because we have some import interface, we could quite easily put it on our platform and run
1: these first benchmarks. Okay. So yeah. So my question is, contract-wise, what are you selling them right now? Is it a POC? Is it an RFP? Is it a prepayment of a software license? What are you selling?
0: Yeah, we're selling them a partnership. So it's uh, in the beginning, it's like an LOE. So it's an understanding that we are working together on these problems, elaborate if uh, our solutions would work for them. And the next step would be that they're paying for, for the solutions. And if we could prove that it's working. So as I said, we are just releasing version 1.0 of our software. And uh, so that will be the work for the next few weeks to really prove that we are bringing benefit to them. And then the next step would be that this will turn into a commercial relationship. Thing.
1: Okay, and sorry, what, what does LOE stand for? Letter of Intent. Oh, LOI, Letter of Intent. LOI. Oh, sorry. For, for yeah, I'm English. going, what's an LOE? Got and it. The, so you've, you've, signed, you've signed LOIs. Now, it, it does, do the LOIs say something like, we're going to deliver X product if X works defined by Y, then you'll pay Z? Uh,
0: no, it's not paying Z, but it's, it's uh, stating that we have a joint collaboration. And if that turns out, then we work on a commercial relationship. Yeah.
1: Okay. But How we- do you define, do you define in the LOI what success means?
0: Yeah, what success means if we are faster than the current uh, stuff available in the markets, then that's defined as a success because we can really pretty easy benchmark how long they need to solve the existing problems on their hardware with the current software. Well, doing. yeah,
1: Dirk, give me an example of that. So a power plant, how long does it take them to solve one of their big, what's the, a what's problem a power plant has and how long does that typically take them without you?
0: Yeah, for example, in Germany, uh, all the energy is traded within windows of 15 minutes. So big energy companies, they make every 15 minutes a decision, should we buy energy, should we produce energy? Do we get enough solar energy for the next 15 minutes or wind energy? And so they have a time window of these 15 minutes, it's five minutes data in, five minutes making the, next, the right decision, and then five minutes data out. And if they could develop, if they could solve in these five minutes a more complex problem, that's a huge business impact for them, because then it's like a trading for in finance, yeah. And so that's a benchmark: how much could we calculate in these five minutes? If we could do it faster, if we could calculate it in three minutes, then they could put more. value. Yeah, but
1: calculate what? So like, how do you define how much you can calculate? Is it you know is it end data points? Like that's what I'm trying to quantify.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's basically their problem. So they can, what they currently calculate in five minutes. So they have, yeah, maybe 10,000 data points and an objective function. If we could solve the same in three minutes, so then it's comparable.
1: Okay. Got it. So you'll say cur- your current thing in the LOE, your current solution solves 10k objective functions over five minutes. We can solve 10k objective functions in 2.5 minutes. If we do that during the LOE, then we set ourselves up for a commercial relationship exactly yeah ah very interesting okay that's very helpful and then okay so next step is how do you think about pricing let's say you have successful lois right how do you decide what to price the thing at
0: yeah so that's what, what we're currently working on so it depends so because our are customers they just run a, a problem twice a year because it's a strategic decision yeah how do we build up our supply chain network so that's a decision you make once every few years yeah or like if you do parcel delivery, uh, big company, for example, like UPS, so they make a decision for their network once a year. So then it might be more expensive to create this one, uh, solve this one uh, once in a time uh, solution instead of companies like uh, I said, the, the electricity power plant companies doing that every 15 minutes. So they might buy more uh, uh, subscription, which allows them to do yeah, calculations all the time, for example. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where we are currently working on to make a price model which adapts to, to everybody. So we have benchmarks because from our previous experiences, how, how much we could uh, charge for that. Um, and they, as I said, they are saving a lot of money if they get to the best solution and they're easily willing to pay in the six digit um, um, US dollar uh, space uh, per year, for example
1: do you tie the price point to number of objective functions you're solving over a standard period of time like what's the utility based thing you price against
0: yeah so a number of objective functions doesn't make sense because it's a number of variables because some some people have a small problem which brings a lot of business value and some have mathematically speaking So yeah so
1: what do you tie pricing to utility wise is it an amount of data computed over a certain period of time like what do you quantify it by
0: yeah it's it will be more related to the value we could bring to their solving their problem that's that's what we okay, are talking Okay so that's
1: hard right because then you have to prove attribution right so that that is basically custom pricing every single time it's it's very very high touch it's a you know you need to hire a bunch of aes etc yeah.
0: we we will have uh in the, in the future some standard pricing for example if you if you utilize our um service for for the like for the whole time, you need that kind of uh, speed up, you need that kind, of, you have that kind of uh, model size, then we could uh, put a price tag for it. Uh, like I said, something like 100K k year if you have a PowerPoint, ske- a power um, plan scheduling, for example. But uh, yeah, if you have just, if you need to, because you cannot make a pricing based on, um, On time, as I said, because one customer is running it for 10 minutes once a year, having high value, another needs to run it the whole year and having low value and uh, high value, but low value per time. So that's Mm -hmm. not comparable.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see what happens. The question is: Does the funding you raised give you enough time to prove these things out to drive some revenue to either get profitable or get into your next round? And we can look at Blum Ventures and FTTF. Their typical deal sizes are anywhere between 500k and, and two million euros. So we can assume you sort of raise something in that range. How much time do you think you have to start proving out contracts before you have to think about raising again?
0: So plan is that so we, we might have time for another year, but uh, plan is maybe to raise. Um, End or end of the year, but we are not All currently right. in the raising fi- uh, phase. All right,
1: we'll see what happens. In the meantime, Dirk, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book. What's your favorite business book, Dirk?
0: Oh, my fa- my favorite business book is um, um, it's an old book. It's lot. It's called LAMP Large Account Management Process. So when I started to to, to become from a technical person a salesperson, um, I bought this. Was my one of my first sales books I bought and because I saw sales not like an art, but it was more like a process and to understand the accounts. So that gives you a pretty good perspective on how to understand large accounts, how to uh, deal with the sales uh, from the sales point of view, how to identify the objectives and the goals of this account and uh, make account management in a really structured way. So that's uh, that's the business book. It's old, I guess, twenty years, but it's still current. Like, I think,
1: mm-hmm. very cool. Number two, yeah. is there a C- is there a CEO you're following or studying? A uh, CEO
0: I'm following, uh, studying. So it's a good question. Not not a single one. I'm following a lot on on LinkedIn. Not a specific one. Um, I could name a single person.
1: Okay. Number three, what's your favorite online tool? for building the business?
0: We have several, but I liked a lot to work with Notion in the past. <laughs> but uh, that's that's pretty helpful for bringing information for the team together. And uh, that's...
1: yeah. Number, number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Six. And what's your situation? Married, single kids? Married, three kids. Uh, wow, busy guy. How, how busy. old are you, Dirk? How old are you, Dirk? <laughs> I am, I'm
0: 47 and... Uh, Great Kids 47 last 60, last uh,
1: question something you wish you knew when you were 20 years old I wish I that's a good question I thought about
0: it yesterday already and I wish to meet my wife earlier I met my wife when I was 30 and I wish would wish to meet met uh, meet her 20 already
1: That's a good answer I've never heard that one before over 3000 episodes never heard that one that, that's a really good one All right guys there you have it quantagonia.com helping big corporations enterprises power plants Uh, Delta, right, plane companies understand big problems that need quantum power, but how to solve those problems today using things like AWS. They sort of sit in between with the idea long term to move those problems onto quantum power when quantum is more available. Quantum computers are more uh, pervasive. We'll see what happens. They raised a pre-seed last year to fund their growth. They're at 12 people today, pre-revenue, but 11 enterprises in LOIs right now. We'll see what happens next as they launch pricing. Dirk, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you. (laughs)